0: Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify about that its works are evil. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but you were chose out of the world, therefore the world hates you. John chapter 15, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world, John 16, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world, John 17, my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would have been fighting that i may not be delivered over to the jews but my kingdom is not of the world what is the world these are the words of jesus the world's works are evil the world world hates me and it hates you because you are not of the world I have overcome the world. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not from the world. What is the world? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12 Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? Galatians 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James 4. He has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of sinful desire. 2 Peter chapter 1. These are the words of Peter, of James, of John, and Paul. Do not be conformed to the world. Don't turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. We have escaped the corruption that is in the world. What is the world? I feel it's a question that we as a church really need to visit as we watch What is unfolding in the world around us, whether it is the pandemic, humanity's response to the pandemic, the graphic expression of of police brutality steeped in racism, or our nation's response to that brutality. I cannot help but return to the question, what is the world? What are we warned against? What are we called out from? We're given this this graphic expression of the enmity between the world and the church by Jesus Christ himself. So we as the church need to wrestle with this idea, what is the world? I believe there has been an idea that has gripped the church in America for too long that has endeavored, even desired, to bridge the divide between the principles of Christian faith and the practices of the world to bridge the gap between the doctrines of Christianity and the dogma of the world's philosophies. And I think as a result of that, we've created a deep fundamental problem, a problem for the church and a problem for the world. Is it possible that we have tried so hard to blur the lines of our distinctions in our efforts to reach the world that we no longer serve the truth in a way that provides refuge from the world for those who are hurting because of the world? At the start of this conversation, I would think we'd have to establish an acceptable distinction between what would be the world as opposed to the church? What is the world and what is not the world? It is clear in the past that I've read And many more that I haven't, the words of Jesus Christ himself here, there is a clear dividing line, right? There there is a very clear distinction. There is an us and a them. There is an us and a them. Even right there, I know that many of us in our Christian philosophies are uncomfortable with the exclusive language that I just used. But how else do you interpret the words of Jesus Christ or the apostles other than to say, there is an us and there is a them. There is those who are in the world and there are those that are not. You are not of the world. I chose you out of the world. If you're wondering if Jesus is really creating this this exclusivity, this, this distinction, this divide. Let me give you his words as he explains the parable of the sower and the seed in Matthew chapter 13. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Does that sound like there is an us and a them? And understand this I didn't say this. I'm giving you the words of Jesus Christ. He's the one that is creating the dividing line. So I don't think I'm overstating it when I say there is a division, there is a dividing line. And what is it that creates the division between the world and the church? What what becomes the dividing line between the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one? What makes you a son, a daughter of the kingdom of God? What creates those two distinctions? What makes you a son of God versus a son of the evil one, in the words of Jesus? I think John chapter 3 actually gives some clarity when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So at one point, Jesus Christ is saying, he's saying there are those who are in the kingdom of, uh, of the world, there are those who are, in, who, who, who are of the sons of, uh, of the devil, And there are those who are in the kingdom who are the sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. And here he says, this is how you're in the kingdom of God, that you're born again. You must be born again. Now for some, like Nicodemus, when he was having this conversation with Jesus in John chapter three, that can be confusing. What do you mean born again? What does it it mean to be born again? Again. If the the movement from the world into the kingdom of God is in being born again, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to enter into the kingdom of God? Maybe some of you have heard this before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Whosoever believes, whosoever believes in him will not perish, will not be condemned. So, what is the entryway? What what does it mean to be born again, to enter into the kingdom of God and move from from being being sons of the devil into being sons in the kingdom of God? It's believing in Jesus Christ. It's believing in Jesus Christ. Now, this belief has so many clear implications, It, it, it spirals out in so many different directions. But at the very least, most base, most foundational, it begins the distinction of the division that is ultimately insurmountable as we attempt to to reconcile the church with the world. How can we ever find common ground with with the world if, if we believe in Jesus as the Son of God. And I want you to understand this, and I want you to grab what's at the core of what I'm saying here. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That that belief begins by embracing the reality expressed by Jesus, that we are the sons of the kingdom of God, and the world are the sons of the evil one. Does that offend you? It probably offends the ones that you're saying are the sons of the evil one. How do you reconcile that? But that's the distinction that Jesus makes. That is the world. The the distinction isn't in vague niceties. You're not in the kingdom of God. You're not, you don't have belief in God because you decide you're going to be nice. You're going to be nicer to people. It, it, the kingdom of God isn't revealed in the lives of people, in the lives of the world around us because there's just more people, whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, they're just doing more nice things for each other. Now, belief in Jesus Christ should and will manifest into good actions. In a good behavior. But it's not determined by that. The the, the, the distinction, the the, the division is rooted in simply, I believe in Jesus Christ. And from there, we have to be able to see the real world implications of that belief. Because it's not just a, a one time belief for salvation, but it is this all encompassing belief that governs everything in our lives. And that creates the division. We believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, and the world doesn't. Many believe that there is no God, believe that Jesus is a myth. How do you reconcile your Christian faith with that? How do you come in unity with that? And it's not just simply this this idea that we have. It's not simply this belief that we have. We believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through the Spirit of God, speaks to us. The world believes that's crazy. The world says, oh, is God speaking to you? You're hearing voices? That's crazy talk. We believe that the Holy Spirit guides us, that he leads us, that he takes us in directions on adventures not conceived of our wisdom, but led of the spirit of God. They believe that's nuts. And that and that you should only rely on science and logic and self-preservation. And don't get me wrong, I believe in those things too. God has given us us a mind to reason, to discover the world He created. But He has so often led the church, he's, He's led His people down the illogical path for the purpose of displaying His majesty. This is exactly what he did with Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ came to this earth and and he followed this pathway that led to the cross and most of the world would look at it and say, what are you, nuts? You're just going to allow yourself to be killed like that? Logic dictated it was a bad plan. Logic indicated that he was headed for defeat, but instead he found victory because God was leading him in ways that the world doesn't see and the world doesn't understand, and he does that in our lives too. He does it because the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. Because God chose the foolish to shame the wise. I exercise my wisdom, I I use my intelligence, I apply my logic, and, and and I celebrate the beauty of science, but as a believer, at the end of the day, it is all subservient to the leading of God, an approach that the world rejects. We believe that that hope and healing and restoration and freedom are found in God. Found in God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The world believes at best that God is, is a creation of our mind that provides a placebo of comfort. And at worst, they believe it's a delusion to be rejected as a threat to the human condition. Throughout time in history, throughout our globe, the world has seen Christianity, the belief in Jesus Christ, the delusion that we all hold as a threat. And they've killed Christians, and they've tried their best to wipe it off the face of the earth because they don't believe what we believe. This reality is what has caused much of the internal turmoil that I've felt over the last 10 weeks. And it really intensified over the last few weeks. See, I genuinely believe and the necessity of the church to be the church. The necessity of the church to gather as believers and experience in community the power of the Holy Spirit. I genuinely believe that the church is essential and not essential the way politicians have designated liquor stores and abortion clinics essential. See, they don't see what I see. They don't don't believe what I believe. For 27 years, I've gathered as a minister of the gospel in churches, and I've watched the power of God heal, redeem, save I've watched as, as, as men who were domestic abusers find repentance and heal a home. I, I've watched as those who have been gripped with addiction come to the altar and be touched by the Holy Spirit and be set free like that. I've watched what God does when the church gathers and the church comes together. And when you tell me that it's not necessary that we gather and be together, I find that to be not true. I was talking to our staff this week about this very thing and, 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 and Pastor Phil shared with me about we have two members of our congregation who have been dealing with addiction and as a result of us not meeting for the last 10 weeks have relapsed. One's living in the streets and one's in the hospital. And so when people tell me that the loving thing for me to do is to not gather, I've dedicated my life to gathering together because I love people and I believe in what God does when the church comes together. The world doesn't believe that. They don't understand, and they don't care. They think what I'm thinking is foolish. We are different than the world. And we made the decision to meet because of our belief in the church. A belief that the world doesn't hold. Uh, And it's fascinating to me to watch pastors who are openly say, it's not essential that we meet. We're still the church even if we're not meeting. We're still... We're still doing what we're, what we're called to do. I, 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 I don't even understand that. If you as a minister of the gospel can fulfill your calling, if you as the church can be what you believe God's called you to be by filming something and posting it on Facebook, and you really believe that, there is no reason for you to ever meet again. The, the resources you're spending, the money you're investing, the time that you're putting into all of this, when you when you truly believe you can be the church you're supposed to be by posting on facebook we believe differently than the world we believe and we are we are called to practice the belief in Jesus that he is the hope, that he is the healing and the restoration and the salvation and the freedom available to mankind. A belief that, that creates division because we believe absent Jesus, none of that can be found. Think about that declaration. Think about the divisive nature of that declaration. We essentially believe that all the world's efforts into finding hope and healing and restoration and salvation and freedom ultimately fail because it lacks Jesus. That all the running around, that, that all the efforts, that all the investment ultimately will fail because we believe Jesus is that answer. We find ourselves as the church confronted with that truth in a very real and I think dangerous way right now. What is playing out before us is the great wound of our nation, the specter of racism and racial division, a wound that needs healing and restoration and salvation and freedom. And the church is challenged with the question, do we really have the conviction That the answer is Jesus are we willing to say you don't believe it's another conversation another conference another law another program it won't be more taxes or more training or more trials that will redeem the sin of the oppressor or heal the hurt of the oppressed it will be Jesus Do you understand how controversial that declaration is in the midst of what we're doing? How often we hear people even within the church saying, well, we need to, we need to be rising up and we need to change this and so we as a church need to be involved in that. We need a church need to be taking care of this. All the while bypassing the reality that the brokenness of mankind cannot be solved with the hands of broken men. I really, hate, I really hate to give you the end of the story, but none of this changes. I'm telling you, none of it changes. We had riots in the, six, in the late 60s and we were going to bring change. We had riots in the 70s, and we were going to bring change. We had riots in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, and it was going to bring change. And if you think, if you believe that everybody's ignored that for the last 50 years, you're wrong. We've changed laws. We've changed things. We've invested more money here. We've done more things there. We've got more programs. I mean, we, I can give you programs as long as my arm that we've added. Do you see contentment As a result of it, it's not going to change. Because the sinful heart of the world produces sinful oppression and division. And the the thing that's what breaks my heart so much is I watch these images being played out is the message the life the work the death the resurrection the gospel of Jesus Christ was meant to 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 is empowered to it, it is meant to bring healing and reconciliation between people between races between cultures like nothing else ever has so much of the epistles were written to bring about racial reconciliation There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus eradicates all those barriers to bring us together. The redemption of the oppressor is not in self-flagellation. It is in repentance born of Christ's grace expressed on the cross. A repentance that sets you free from the pride of prejudice and allows you to receive the forgiveness of Christ to now live in love towards the image bearers of God regardless of the color of their skin. The healing for the oppressed is in the realization of the grace expressed on the cross by the only man who was truly undeserving of oppression, but while nailed to a tree for the sins of both the oppressed and the oppressor, was able to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The word of God, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which should be the message of the church, is that healing the broken of the world isn't discovered in some form of restitution or new institution or an amended constitution, but in the truth found at the foot of the cross where all men stand on level ground. It is incredible to me how controversial this truth has become As the world struggles, it it is amazing to me how controversial this truth has become as the church tries to reconcile with the world's plans while also trying to bring Christ's message. Yes, our institutions are broken, but as long as the sons of the evil one construct and steward the institutions of the world, they will always Be so. Should we be involved? Yes. Should should we be informed? Absolutely. Should we be engaged in trying to promote justice within these broken political systems when we can? Of course we should. But the message of the church is that the hope of the world is to turn to Jesus, to stand before his cross and live in submission to him, Do not be seduced into believing you will find it anywhere else. Because when we as the church are, when we are seduced into believing that there's a plan outside of Jesus that will bring healing, we trade the power of the gospel for the schemes of the world. It reminds us again of Galatians 4 when it says, we can't turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. The truth of the church that brings healing is that as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. And not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled with him. Who is the head of all rule and all authority. You, it says, who were dead in your trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against you with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The testimony here is that we put our hope in Jesus Christ. We live in that hope. When that hope is manifested, it shows the world the folly of its efforts. That it's only in his power that redemption comes. Listen, we as a church, we as believers are at a crossroads. We are either going to double down, root ourselves in, The simple truth that forgiveness, healing, hope, salvation, redemption is only found in Jesus Christ? Or we are going to be led away into the philosophies of the world? I stand here in front of you committing myself to regardless of what the world thinks or even what some in the church thinks, I will follow Jesus and lead others to the cross of Jesus Christ because I believe it is the hope of mankind. The decision for us to be here as a church today was a difficult one, knowing that there are even members of our congregation who will likely leave because of the decision we made. but I believe so deeply in the power of Jesus Christ and what the, and what the church does that it got to a point where we just had to do what we felt the Holy Spirit was leading us to do. And as I've watched things unfold over the last week, I'm even more convinced that this world needs a church that offers out Jesus Christ unadulterated. It says, for whoever will come, find hope and life and salvation. I encourage you to examine your heart even now. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Not believe in him simply for your salvation, but do you believe in that He is the hope. Heavenly Father, we come before You in this moment, submitting ourselves to the power of Your Word, to the truth of Your Gospel. Our belief that you rule and reign in our hearts and in our lives. Father, I pray that we as individuals, we as the church, our nation as a whole, will turn towards you in power and in truth to bring hope and healing. In your precious holy name we pray. Would you stand with us as we go to time of worship? There be people available in the back to pray with you. But invite the Holy Spirit to examine the corners of your heart and your life and your mind. Ask them to bring conviction we've not lived in accordance with our belief in Jesus Christ.